I think I'm below the Mendoza line with music references, Weber. It's it's not great. I, I know this song, but I don't know where you're going with it. Could you feel well, Yeah, I mean, it's 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 good, and I'm feeling all right. I came out of week one. I was in the top six of scoring. So, I mean, I'm not asking for a whole lot more out of out of that. So I just got to be down for the ride here. And for some of these other guys that had injuries or pieces and offenses that didn't do shit, um, you got to be down for the ride. And, you, you know, you got to feel good about it. But it's, okay, all if, right, you don't, if you don't feel good, you're going to be throwing up all season. and You're going to be making donations. Thank you, Nick Ruth. Nice little segue. It's us, the three amigos. Yours truly, Mr. Nick Weir, Dan Weber, and Nick Ruth. Uh, Nick, how are you doing? I can't complain. I had to get a nice trade in before the pod recorded, so we had something else to talk about. So I'm, I'm still trying to make content. I'm annoyed. We need to have like a trade go down mid-podcast. We haven't had it happen in the, but we're entering this is the this fourth year right now. Um, we need to see that happen at some point. That that'll complete things for me. Oh, I will be scrambling so hard to try and fucking find the yeah, like, next time. I'll alarm. just wait to hit accept until I. Uh, you can do that. Just you, you can't tell me like that you have yeah, something. Yeah, going correct. Wrong. It has to I want to like my mind needs to be blown mid podcast that I see yep. Nick trade Justin Herbert for a 2025 first or something. <laughs> Dan, how are you doing this week? Oh, it's good, man. It's uh, a new iPhone launches Friday. We had a really good pre-order weekend there um my godson's birthday I, I can't ask for a whole lot more out of life and as i sit here on a beautiful tuesday night with a couple drinks sitting next to me waiting for the golf this weekend well i mean i think you could ask for a little bit more out of life like cam makers to give you anything more than zero please don't make me at some point in time open up my patio window and then you can just hear the whoosh well, we're going to at some point, but let's let's we got some other things to cover. Uh, Nick Ruth continued his aggressive shopping spree. Uh, we got three trades to talk about, and he was front and center for all three of them. So unless you guys get anything to talk about, I say we jump into those. Go ahead. All right. First one. This one. This was a big boy trade. Uh, it involved Nick Ruth and Zane. Nick sent Clyde Edwards Alaire. And Mr. Gabriel Davis to Zane, and Zane sent his 23 first and second round draft pick, Jordan Mason, running back for the 49ers, and Mercedes Lewis. Is he still with the Packers? He's still with the Packers. Still with I the legitimately Packers. Legitimately, don't know. He actually had a staff count too this week. He's getting cut tomorrow, so that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert: okay. He won't be on my roster tomorrow, regardless if I don't even get my waiver. He's getting cut. Say no more. All right. Well, Nick, this was your trade and this was kind of a big one. So why don't you kind of walk us through kind of your mindset of, you know, this deal and what you think you got um, in return on it? Well, I've been shopping CEH for about a year. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten some offers. This is by far the best offer. Um, I don't think he helps me long term. I think he's maybe got two, three years, my window will just kind of be starting then. So I wanted to get something. Um, Gabriel Davis was a throw-in from, I think I traded it with Armand last year. And he just fucking blew up. I don't know how all the hype happened. I think he had like three touchdowns in a playoff game, and now everyone has him as a top 20 wide receiver. But hindsight 2020, week one, this trade looked amazing for Zane. Big time. <laughs> like, I, I got good pieces. I 
more in the 23 draft, which everyone wants. I now have a shit ton of picks for the 23 draft. I'm happy, but fuck. CH and Davis looked really good. And I think that's the, the piece that becomes questionable is until Gabriel Davis had the three touchdown game in the playoffs and uh, he, he was, he was passed around from team to team. Hasn't he been with it? He hasn't been with the bills. He's been with the bills the entire time. Oh, he's actually, okay. in his second or third year. It's third his third year. year. Yeah. He's still relatively young. I mean, but the, the best part is, is it's just a guy in this offense. This offense is nothing shy of explosive. I mean, look what happened in week one against the Rams defense. Like this, this offense just clicked. Josh Allen started 10 for 10 before he was his receiver cost him a fucking two points on my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> it was just fucking, Oh, what a, I wanted to throw something so bad, but he's, he's part of a big offense. And if you're the number two wide receiver on a big offense, you're going to have a big role and he's building that trust with Josh Allen. So this is a guy that could potentially have staying power. And you look at CEH. I mean, yeah, he had a good week. I don't think we're going to see that out of him every week with it but again another big piece in a big powered offense if he can just keep his feet under him seven for 42 on the ground is nothing impressive three for 32 in the air and two touchdowns is kind of impressive and one of them almost didn't happen because he ate shit trying to come out of a cut and everything yeah. but you know yeah. getting getting a first and second coming back i i and again the the player is whatever he had 38 percent snap count against minnesota so it's not that great yep. but Crazy enough, it's also the last first-round draft pick that Aaron Rodgers has ever thrown a touchdown to. This is yeah, actually there's, correct. There's your fun fact for the day. And suck it, all you fucking Packer fans. Um, but, I, I mean, it's it's good either way. I think Zane long-term is going to be in the rough for this. But it just depends on the staying power for both these players. Yeah, I think you touched – or you really covered all the bases on the stand. And I think it's – for Zane, I think – couple big takeaways on this is yeah there's no doubt a risk you know we we're not going to dive into the 2023 draft class i mean everyone's reading on it and knows what to expect it's very strong on paper um so i think you're right long term like this could potentially be a deal that maybe zane regrets in you know six months but i mean you look at like we talked about kind of zane and some of his issues you know tyler lockett you know evan ingram you know Miles Sanders, he looked good week one. Like, these were some of the guys that he would, Tony Pollard, be looking at, like, flex options. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Gabriel Davis look like significant upgrades. Um, you know, if you're going to be a contender and make a trade, I'd rather make a trade, like, before the season even starts so you can maximize, like, game potential for them. So, and they're both young. You know, they do have potential long-term to develop. Um, I think there's reason to be, you know, dubious of that happening. But there's also reason to be very optimistic for him. So Zane rolls the dice for two players that if they continue to kind of show what they've seen or maybe the potential they have, I mean, this you know could potentially develop into a steal um, for him. Um, I'm, I just really like draft picks, so I'm probably an idiot, but I'm that's that's what's drawing me back on it. But I think if you win a championship, you know, banners fly forever. So for Zane's perspective, I think I can respect the dice roll here. Oh, for sure. I definitely think this is a league-winning move, and it it'll probably help him this year, next year, maybe not so much future. I mean, that's what you're going for a win now. Yeah. But I definitely think this is a league-winning move. Like I, this shores up his weak spots, and I think Zane. I had him winning our division before, but I I think he catapults in front of Stefan. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think when you look at Zane's team, I mean, you know, anytime you have like, yeah, I mean, I, we're not going to start something, but like the top running back, like in Dynasty, you know, Jonathan Taylor, he's no worse than like two or three, top two or three at the position. Um, you know, you really got to capitalize on that. And then you add some aging guys like Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any younger, you know, got to capitalize on your window right now. So I, I agree. I think it's definitely could be a league winning move and really pay dividends, you know, in December, you know, three months from now, um, as he's making a title push potentially. You know what the best joke about this whole, this whole team is that there might be opportunities for him to start Baker Mayfield over Aaron Rodgers. Too soon, or is it? <laughs> Three point seven points coming out of week one. Yeah, dude, he gave Christian <laughs> Watson like the death scare of all death scares. <laughs> he was pissed. Uh, I'm surprised he threw the ball again to him that game. What was the last I, time? Was it the last play of the game he threw it to him? I don't even remember. It was I was just saw the highlights, so I didn't see the second throw, but I saw that he had a second or second attempt or catch, um, or his first catch on the second throw. Um, so yeah, um, Nick, any closing words on this deal? Uh, you can have the hammer on this new trade. Uh, hindsight 2020, I probably could get more after week one, but I'm super happy with my return and I shed their points before they exploded. So I'm actually trying to lock up that third pick. I have one quick hypothetical for you. Um, never, you know, advocate like, you know, trying to like try gouge someone or anything like that. But we've seen 2023 draft picks kind of be a premium in this league. You know, if Zane kind of had a hard stance, is like, no, it's the first pick, the 2023 first or bust. I mean, is that, can you like turn that down? Like, you know, the second, like, is the second a deal breaker in this trade? Um, you know, I know it's easy or hard to say like right now because the deal already happened, but um, there's not many first that are available really to be moved besides 2025 draft picks. So, I'm just curious uh, if I, Zane left some leverage on the table. No, I wouldn't have moved both for a first. Okay. Just a first. The players were immaterial, so it was just the picks, but I wouldn't have done both for just a first. Okay. All right. Good so I was chopping CH for a late first. I mean, as you saw, he's a running back, high-powered offense, youngish, with 140 vacated targets. So he's going to feast, and I wasn't overly surprised. All right, let's move on to the second one. And this involved a Ruth uh, household trade. Uh, Nick sent Marcus Mariota and Zay Jones. And Kevin sent Nico Collins, Danta Foreman, and a 2025. Yes, 2020-25. You heard that right. Uh, third round draft pick. Nick, start us off again. Let's hear the thoughts on this deal. Um, I don't even know how it started. I think we were texting about something and then this came up. I've always been a fan of Nico Collins. I think he's a good big body wide receiver and he's kind of what I'm looking for for these smaller trades is a young lottery pick and he's a fantastic one. The 2025 third is icing on the cake and Foreman is just kind of like a cut bait piece. Although he has potential behind CMC since Chubba Hubbard sucked ass. Um, I was been trying to shed Mariota for a while, starting quarterback. I just didn't want those points on my bench. And, you know, going in, I had, I think Sam offered me a 23 third for Mariota, I don't know, probably a month ago, and I turned it down. I wanted a second. And I think Nico in a third, even in hindsight, 
I like this deal a lot better. Um, and Zay Jones as a throw-in, I picked him off waivers, I think, like a month ago. And, you know, and then let's go to the week one hindsight. Mariota looked pretty freaking good, and Zane Jones had nine targets. So, you know, my throw-in for Kevin could be a thing. I don't think on his roster he ever sees the daylight or light of day, but I'm guessing Kevin went for depth. I don't really know. Maybe you just traded at boredom, but I'll take it. It has to be for depth. I just, I don't, you have Ryan Tannehill, David Carr, and Matthew Stafford. Hindsight being 2020, you know, he benched his two better quarterbacks with it. That, that But, I mean, who can predict that? Long-term-wise, am I going to make an attempt to start Marcus Mariota for Matthew Stafford? Hell no. I And you can flip the coin between Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill, depending on who they play. But Ryan Tannehill plays for a run-first offense. Derek Carr actually has weapons. So I don't fault Kevin for the two starts that he has. But I don't know if it was truly necessary to acquire the two pieces that he needs. Um, I'm with you on Nico Collins. He's a big body receiver. I just hate the fact that he's in fucking Houston. Foreman, two carries, five yards. I don't know what you're talking about. Big upside on that with that. Well, was CMC's big. starting. If CMC goes down, it's it's all Foreman. Chubba Hubbard yeah, didn't do shit. Either way, dude. I it, Never banking on a player's injury with it. And Zay Jones. Oh, six, just wait for the next trade. <laughs> I, I know six receptions, 65 yards. Um, yeah, what, did Christian Kirk even like look good week one? Yeah, six receptions oh, yeah, six, for 120 yards almost. Yeah. Okay. So that he was solid there. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not bad there. I just, I don't get it. Yeah. I'm kind of with you, Dan. I think, you know, from Kevin's like, you know, logic, I know we were kind of texting like outside of the, the pod on that. And, you know, I think he was scared, you know, Stafford, like this kind of elbow thing and didn't look too hot Monday or Thursday night in the opener against that Buffalo defense. Uh, was that Stafford being shitty or was that just a byproduct of Buffalo's defense being amazing? Amazing. Time will tell. Um, Tannehill, you know, maybe you have some concern like with Malik Willis getting drafted, but at the end of the day, he was a fourth round draft quarterback. And at the same time, if you're going to like play that card, how are you not concerned about Marcus Mariota and them drafting Desmond Ritter in the fourth round as well? Um, and he's not really, he's basically on a one year deal as well. Um, value wise, I think this deal is fine. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, Nick is gets an amazing haul. I don't think Kevin gets a steal here. I think this is a fine trade. You know, I'm not going to argue like value wise that someone dominated this deal. But I think just for Kevin, like you don't have a lot of assets. You don't have a lot of picks, you know, going forward. Literally over the next three years, Kevin has five draft picks. Um, three of them are in 2025. Um, you know, Nico Collins, I don't know if he becomes anything, but he has potential to be something. So why trade this for a quarterback that you're really probably never going to start unless there's buys or injuries? And who knows, Mariota might be out of a job whenever that day comes. So I don't love it for Kevin just because of the unnecessary need right at this moment but maybe kevin will show us all up and he's a fortune teller and this will look like you know a boon in two weeks i don't know nick any last words i guess on this other deal of yours before we move on to your final one this week um so kevin has five picks in the next three years yep i have 11 picks in the first two rounds in the next two years <laughs> yeah, you know, he's... All right. 
reloading through the draft. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, let's go to the final deal involving Nick. And this one involves Stefan. Uh, Nick sent Jeffrey Wilson Jr., running back for the San Francisco 49ers, and a 2023 fourth-round draft pick that is Dan's. And Stefan sent John Michi, wide receiver for the Houston Texans. Nick, well, which also we should you know, remind people, he did get diagnosed with cancer. He has a torn ACL. Like he is not playing this year. There is some concern, you know, obviously, without saying uh, his future, you know, availability um, on the football field is on the back burner. Um, but, you know, he's a rookie, did have some hype. Uh, blah 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 blah. Nick, what are your thoughts on this deal? And as you got it uh, locked down a few minutes before the pod started, I was trying to ship Jeff Wilson. He is now probably RB one for the San Francisco 49ers. He's older. He has no future on my roster. I don't see him being a starter. He's a fill-in for the next eight weeks, which a contender could use. And Mechi, although. Cancer sucks. If he does come back, I think he's going to be amazing. He was an unbelievable wide receiver at Bama. Tested well. High second round pick on a team that needs wide receivers and talent. So I think everything besides cancer is going his way to really shine. And, you know, I can afford to wait and see. I don't need the points now. So it was kind of a win-win for me. Can someone like clip that quote? You know, everything's going well except for the cancer. Yeah, it's generally not good. <laughs> Dan, yeah. what do you think of this deal? I, I officially can't say anything stupid on this podcast. That one takes cake. Um, it's a depth play at most, and it's a depth play for four to six weeks. Um, you know, yeah, Najee Harris can get a little banged up around the edges. You're not 100% sure, you know. I, f- I fucking hate Stefan's got so many fucking roster concerns. Do I start Nick Chubb or do I start fucking Kareem Hunt? Fuck. What do I do? Does Jamal Williams actually have this? And like Stefan's got a lot of additional depth. This just makes it a little bit harder on him to set roster decisions. In my personal opinion, um, Mechie, while we all send his hopes and prayers, you know, for fast and speedy recovery, everything says that he's going to come back and play, but it's it's a it's a hundred percent a risk. This is a this is a Nick Ruth Hail Mary to to get it done. And again, it's he's acquired another Houston Texan wide receiver. Nick, you know who the quarterback is in Houston. CJ Stroud or Bryce Young? <laughs> Although they did just win. Oh no, they tied, right? They tied, yeah. They tied. Yeah, they didn't Houston, look sister. bad, actually. Like I, I missed a Rexburg then. Yeah, but that, fucking scary. They're gonna yeah, get I'm, a high pick and they're gonna get a good quarterback. And these are two super young wide receivers of that offense. And that's a lot of so hopes and dreams. I'm excited. Well, yeah, it's Jeff Wilson in a fourth. You're not gonna get Mike Evans. Oh shit. Well, I should probably <laughs> retract that trade then. Um, but I mean, yeah, go ahead, play your upside and everything like that. This is even, I think a little bit more to upside for me with it, but for Stefan, this is a, it's just a depth play. It's, that's all it is. It's I'm value wise. Cool. I don't think it was underpaid, overpaid, but it's a hope and a prayer on both sides that staying power exists. And I don't mean that like he might die of cancer kind of way, but like, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, value-wise, I think it's fine. I mean, Jeff Wilson, yeah, he's got eight, he's got the job for probably about eight weeks um, in that Niners offense. You know, if he's if we know he's going to be the starter, and who knows, Shanahan can do Shanahan things. It might not even be the case, but if he is, you know, he probably is worth a second round draft pick in early third, which is where Michi was going around the time of before this the cancer announcement came out. Um, I think just. It kind of piggybacks off like with what I said about Kevin. It's just, you know, does Wilson even start for Stefan's team? Like, yeah, it's depth, but like, are you starting over your Najee Harris, Mixon, or Chubb? No. You know, is he that much better than Kareem Hunt or Josh Jacobs? Maybe. No. You know, um, even, you know, throwing JD McKissick or Jamal Williams. Like, yeah, he's probably better than those guys, but is he like gonna change like the course of like a week for you? I don't know, to be honest, like, and Stefan is a team that also doesn't have a ton of draft picks over the next three years. He's just got seven of them. And that includes, let's see, two, three, um, five of those seven draft picks are in the third or fourth round of upcoming drafts. So like not a, like a lot of premier draft capital. Uh, John Michi was just drafted in the late second for him. I mean, who knows? He's probably not going to be anything amazing, but he does still have potential. And Nick, you know, is right. Like this offense um, could add another like, premier quarterback, maybe in next year's draft class. And there is room for upside. If he comes back, you know, healthy, you know, from the cancer, which we all hope he does, like there will be buzz. Like he, this is when you look at like, you know, not to get like more, but you look at like these players, like at assets, you know, or stocks, like Michi might not play a game this or probably won't play a game this year. But if he comes back healthy and all of a sudden they draft Bryce Young, you can't tell me there's not going to be like a decent amount of hype for him being reunited with Bryce Young in Dallas or in uh, Houston. Um, who knows? Nick could like cash out before Michi even plays it down like next summer because uh, he continues his rebuild or something. I don't know. But like this, I just don't love it for Stefan because it doesn't seem like it's a move that helps in the short term. Um, and if it does, I'm, I don't know, I, I, his team's just too deep. Um, so I think he just kind of gave away an asset in Michi that could maybe help you down the road. Well, we just have breaking potential trade update. Jerry has just put Marlon Mack up on the trading block. He's in San Francisco. I <laughs> <laughs> just can't hit the practice squad. Anyways, go ahead. He'll be the number one by week four. <laughs> I don't think he'll be on the roster by week four, but we'll see. It's a Shanahan offense. It's true. Anyone like associated with Kyle Shanahan, like if you got coffee for Kyle Shanahan and you're running back, you should be rostered. So you um, should yeah. get health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> that that is also there. God bless Debo Samuel. Well, and that's the thing too. Like you wonder with Debo Samuel, obviously we saw him being a running, you know, more running oriented last year and this first week of the season. And now Trey Lance in the, the picture of things and him being a runner, you just wonder how much they're going to even try to lean on someone besides those two. So I don't know. Um, all right. Anything else on this deal before we move on to uh, some more fun week one stuff? Some hot takes. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the kind of week one, just, Kind of recap, you know, thoughts, like what we kind of saw, like, unfold 
Um, and, you know, of course, tying it back to this dynasty league and some teams like around the league. Um, Nick, you kind of had some, you know, things that you were kind of looking at for this week. What kind of stuck out to you and how it could uh, potentially impact the league and some teams here? So the big one to me was a lot of the, you know, quote unquote, big high powered offenses just looked bad. Like the Rams looked atrocious. Dallas was God awful. Dak couldn't hit anything. We'll talk in a little bit about Dak situation. Tampa Bay looked really rough. Um, maybe, you know, maybe the Brady 11 day hiatus, whatever. And then, you know, we all knew going in Aaron Rodgers had no one to throw the ball to, but I didn't think it would look that bad. That offense looked atrocious. I think, those four teams, you know, a lot of dynasty pieces in those four teams, and it looked rough. And now Tampa, they lose Goodwin for a week or two, question mark? Yeah, coming off the ACL injury, a lot of people wondered if he was rushed to begin with. Yeah, so. and then, you know, Dallas loses Dak, and I don't know. And then the Rams offense, you got the usage of some of their, you know, weapons that everyone was super excited about. Really questionable. Allen Robinson's target share. Allen Robinson's target share and Cam Akers' run share. Both of which are still more exciting than my sex life. But anyways, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm with you. That was a lot of rough pieces. I mean, the Rams offense, Cooper Cup went off. Like, that's just – Cooper Cup might might now be the best wide receiver in the entire NFL. No. My point too. Justin Jefferson is insane. Yeah, he 100%. is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, I tell you what, between Cup, Jefferson, and Chase, those guys automatic in redraft league should have been going in the first five picks. Did you, you can make it, you can make it. Go ahead. There's a Twitter clip of I think it was Ayer Alexander, whatever that CB is. Like he was, they had him mic'd up, and he's like, "I want to cover Chase. I want to cover Chase next. Or I want to cover Jefferson. I want to cover Jefferson." Next play, Jefferson just spins him around and runs for sticks. It's it's fucking hilarious. I mean, those three wide receivers that we talked about just have the ability to just be complete game changers for quarterbacks. And that I mean, Joe Burrow didn't really have himself a great week one. Cincinnati Bengals didn't really look that great. But I mean, between Jefferson Cup and Jamar Chase, holy shit, that's fucking impressive. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals, another team you could add to the list. I mean, Chase had a good game. Mixon had a respectable game, but that was another one that looked rough. Um, T. Higgins went down, which is kind of hard to judge, but yep. I mean, that's, what, five, six good offenses that just didn't look good week one. So hopefully good. they get the bugs out. Offense in general outside of the Buffalo Bills was kind of flat throughout the league. And we usually see that as we step into a brand new fantasy season. It takes offenses two to three weeks to just pretty much get themselves going and develop a rhythm and a cadence. And I mean, that's where defenses thrive. I mean, what Pittsburgh's defense put up some fucking asinine amount of points. Yeah, but it came with a price. Oh, it did come with a price and everything. But I mean, there's just a lot, there was a lot of boom and a lot of bust coming out of week one. And I don't, I sure as hell hope it's not an indicator as to what we see is coming. Well, I mean, I think a lot of, I think a lot of things with the offenses, in particular, obviously defense, it's kind of a similar situation as well. But like these guys just don't play in the preseason. 
nowadays. And you just wonder, like, for these quarterbacks, for these offenses, you know, how much this kind of impacts, you know, we talked about Allen Robinson, how much does this impact, you know, him and Matt Stafford not really having any game, you know, actual games together and playing, you know, not being able, you know, Aaron Rodgers and all these like rookie and younger, you know, guys on his team, not getting like the game, you know, action in preseason. How much does this kind of impact things? Like, yeah, you can have practice, but it's 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 not the same when it's, you know, live and, you know, the the defense can actually hit you. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not surprised that things are just kind of rusty for this stuff, for these teams. I mean, I think, you know, I, there was a person that I follow on Twitter and I think they're 100 percent white. I mean, week one and the last week of the you know season in the NFL are just complete crapshoots. You know, you have teams that just haven't really practice you know in preseason and then you have teams that have new schemes new coaches new players coming together it's really hard to just get hum in week one and of course the final week of the season is just a crapshoot because people are sitting benched whatever playing you know the six running back on a team or something crazy like that so all hell will break loose that week often but i think the biggest question is is there any offense that you're like just drastically concerned about going forward like if you want to plant your flag, like what is there a team that you guys are just more concerned about than others? Ignoring the Cowboys because obviously Dak is injured. Can I say like pleasantly surprised? Sure. Pleasant. Let's go with that too. The fucking Seattle offense looked amazing. Gino played out of his ass. Gino might be the best what quarterback to actually that? place a bet on. Can we like the see if I was like skilled right now? I would like insert the clip of Dan ranting for about 20 seconds. How yeah, is 100% going to win this job. And Noah yeah. Fant was going to dominate because of that. Um, but yeah, Geno Smith, you know, they wrote him off, but he did not write back. And damn, that was sly. Or that was a fucking dope line. He and that Seahawks team were, were cooking last night. It was great. Yeah, you're I mean, wrong. if you want to talk about pleasant surprise, I mean, how about the Minnesota team, especially against this Packers defense that was supposed to be, you know, world beaters, like top three in the league? You know, they were nowhere to be found. Like Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson made them their bitch. Um, you know, I, if that's a sign of things to come, like this Vikings offense could be, you know, a fantasy boom. Like there's Cousins, there's Cook, there's Jefferson. Thielen didn't really have a chance, but, you know, Irv Smith, you know, we've talked about him for seems like a decade. Maybe this will finally be his year to break out. Um, that that would probably be my pleasant surprise in week one. Uh, so I'll I'll take the other take, and I will go with the Washington Commanders. Yeah. Granted, they played yeah, Jacksonville, that but that was that was Carson Wentz looked good. He threw two picks, but he threw four touchdowns. Antonio Gibson had 58 yards in the ground, but he caught the ball a ton through the air. Johan Dotson was another one that's super interesting. Um, yeah. How about he was like kind of the you know. Did not have a ton of buzz compared to a lot of all the other rookie wide receivers and goes on and gets two touchdowns week one. Yep. I mean, Terry McLaurin, yeah, he only had two receptions on four targets, but 58 yards found the end zone. Um, I I don't think it's staying power, but after week one playing Jacksonville, we get another test about, you know, he goes up against Adrian Hutchinson and the Detroit, Detroit Lions this next week. I'd be very curious to see which which of these offenses we've listed has staying power. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like I feel very confident about the Vikings. Oh, um, the Vikings, 100 percent right up yeah. there. But Washington's a good one. I, I don't know. They they definitely surprised me the most, especially Carson Wentz. 
Um, and, you know, and we talk about like kind of the impact of that. I mean, look at Stefan's team. He's been trying to find like that, you know, quarterback situation, worried about what's life going to be like after Brady, if he, you know, ever retires in the next like 20 years, um, you know, Kirk Cousins, you know, Carson Wentz, good start to the season. Maybe, maybe he's got his guys locked down going forward. Yeah. And then my pleasantly, un, I guess, bad, I gotta say toss up between the Patriots and the Packers. Like, and we knew the Packers were going to be rough going in, so I guess I'll lean Patriots, but they both didn't look good. And they don't have too many fantasy pieces, at least the Patriots, but Zane's going to have to rely on Rodgers, and that could be pretty rough. Yeah, not seeing a good performance on a Mac Jones is kind of rough, but I mean, he was dealing with a back injury. Like, as much as the game pained me, looking at the stat line, it's kind of not bad, but I expected more of the Indianapolis Colts' offense. Um, yeah, granted, Matt Ryan threw for 352 yards. Michael Pittman had nine for 121 and a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor had a uh, get that pulled up here. He was 31 for 161, but 31 attempts for a running back on week one. <laughs> That's not staying power. I mean, what did Derrick Henry? What did Derrick Henry have? He was like 20 for like 80 or something. 21 for 82. Yeah. That workload. Jonathan Taylor's not going to last the entire year. That can't happen. That the rest of the offense outside of Pittman and needs to be better. I think. In his oh, defense, no. though, he played five quarters. No, I'm not disagreeing with that. I mean, it's 50 pass attempts and 31 runs. There's not many teams running that many fucking plays. Period. I, I get it. I, I get it. But yes, it's, it's just to me, it's dangerous. Counting how many rushes Jonathan Taylor had in overtime, I believe it was only three for my quick guess. So, but anyways, um, I think my kind of concern, and I'm not really concerned long term, but like they got shellacked week one, um, and the score might not kind of reflect it. But Arizona Cardinals, the Colts really, or excuse me, the Chiefs really kicked their ass. Um, the Cardinals got kind of two touchdowns late uh, in garbage time, uh, but. For three quarters, the Chiefs absolutely dominated them. Um, and they're kind of another one that they made the playoffs last year. But I know there's there's always kind of just been concerned about, um, you know, the coaching situation and kind of the talent um, and the scheme and stuff around Kyler Murray. Um, something to monitor. I, I don't think I'm worried about it long term. Um, I think that was just more of a testament of the Chiefs being good. But this Cardinals offense has a lot of people or that people are relying on. And, you know, Murray, Connor, you know, Hollywood Brown, uh, Zach Ertz. I mean, it's like your entire roster. AJ Green, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, when he comes back. No, but yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm heavily impacted with Murray and Connor on this team. So, um, yeah, that one sticks out for me for week one, I think. What I don't get is why Murray doesn't get anywhere near as much hate as Hurst does. They're uh, both fantasy good. They're not great NFL. I, I mean, I Kyler's I is so many better passer, in my opinion. But, I mean, at the end of the day, neither have proven anything. You know, so I don't think you can really differentiate them, you know, in that aspect. But, um, I mean, Jalen Hurts, like, he's 100% underrated. 
Um, and, you know, you talk about they could have easily been on the pleasantly surprised list um, if the, the Lions kind of really played some garbage time and made this game super close. But the Eagles offense was humming, you know, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, you know, Miles freaking Sanders, you know, they they tore things up this week one. Um, and that's. Was that shitty Lions defense or is this Eagles offense going to be, um, you know, something to watch the entire season? I don't know. All right, um, we kind of, or Nick, you kind of alluded to it, but one thing that stuck out to me, and I think this really has kind of impact for two teams, is the Cam Akers usage uh, for the Rams. Um, in the game, it was odd. Um, and then after the fact, the quotes from McVay were even odd, too. He's usually very sort of confident in his players, but he, you know, I think the, I'm paraphrasing the line was, Cam Akers needs to make the best out of, like, his touches. He had, like, two touches this game. <laughs> Um, it's in, very interesting. Like this was the Daryl Henderson show. And when you tie it back to our league, you know, Dan, you know, you, you're probably feeling good after week one, but you can't feel good about what you saw at Cam Akers. And if Cam Akers isn't involved in this offense, like it's going to be tough, I think, for you to really get through as presently constructed to make your playoff hopes and dreams come true. On the flip side, when we talk about like Daryl Henderson, I mean, look at Jerry's roster. You know, we were really concerned about that second running back. If this wasn't a mirage and this was legitimate and Henderson's going to be the guy, I mean, all of a sudden, Leonard Fournette, Daryl Henderson, you know, that's that's a pretty good one-two punch. You know, this, if it holds, could be a huge boon for Jerry's team. So I don't know what to expect going forward. All I know is I'd be scared shitless if I was Cam Akers' owner. Yep. <laughs> That's correct. There's not a lot of excitement coming over here. It is. It was completely disheartening. I mean, you, I mean, I'm sitting down. I'm all fucking jacked up. I've got Josh Allen playing. I got Cam Akers playing. I am fucking ready to go. I got a couple of shares of Stefan Diggs and other leagues. And I'm, I'm all jacked up. And the fucking Rams run the offense out there. And it's Daryl fucking Henderson. And I, I'm pretty sure I sent Stefan a message. You go, what the fuck? Like, what, 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 what is this? And I was like, okay, they let Henderson run out the first series. Akers will come out the second series. Daryl fucking Henderson again. And I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm fucked. I'm 100% fucked. Thank God the one guy got shot in the leg and didn't get a chance to fucking go week one. And, and, and Antonio Gibson made the most out of it. You know, my cancer kind of, but you're thanking God someone got <laughs> shot. <laughs> um, when do you guys can run for president now? Just FYI. Nobody wants to. This country's a fucking dumpster fire. Um, you know, it's it's rough. My depth for running back to after that, Alexander Madison and Mark Ingram are my two best options after that. Yeah, you should trade for Jeff Wilson. I CEH, whatever. I mean, it's just one of those ones where I felt good about my situation. Now I'm in shambles. My my yeah. team is currently in a blender. To, to see what's going on. And please remember, I scored the fifth highest points with the Cam Akers putting up a oh, yeah. no. goose egg. Oh, yeah. No denying it. I mean, at the end of the day, Cam Akers, Noah Fant, and Mac Daddy let you down big time this week. Yep. And and you know what? If that's the case and those are the pieces I've got to try and piece around, okay. I, I, Jared Goff, not my best situation, but I have that there. Alexander Madison, Mark Ingram, all right, that's what it is. I've still got Hayden Hurst. Got Austin um, Hooper, um, and I got Gerald Everett. Thank you. 
Yeah, I'm just saying, Gerald Everett at least found the end zone and, and playing in that offense is a hell of a lot better, but it's not great. Outside of those guys, I feel really, really comfortable about my roster. The the Michael Carter cutting into Brees Hall stuff, and granted, I'm spilling all my shit around here, um, that this is my podcast and you fuckers will absolutely listen to this. Um, it's not great. It's really not great. And I have a lot of question marks right now about being there. But if I can stay ahead of Kevin and Kevin's the odd man out, so be it. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens. I've got my first round draft pick next year, which I know is going to be stacked in between Ruth 18 first round <laughs> draft picks, but we'll see what happens. But no, as a Cam Akers owner, I am, I am in here. Let me just go ahead and start this really quick. <laughs> Damn. It's just, I mean, it's the same thing for if you're a Dak owner and Elijah Mitchell owner, it's all fucking just, <sighs> I mean, here's the question for you, Dan, or for both of you guys, I guess. The first part is, you know, is Cam Akers' dad, is this the Henderson show, or do you not feel confident in answering that after one week? I don't feel confident answering that after one week. Nick? No, I don't feel confident. Because, I mean, Sonny Michelle and Henderson both thrived, so I think the Rams have a two-running-back offense. Okay. So, I mean, at this point, Dan... Is it you just got to hold steady with Cam Akers, or is it get this guy off my fucking team, you know, mode? I flipped the coin. I flipped the coin. It's, it's, I, you got to believe with all the hype that he had coming in that he's a guy that does need to maximize his opportunities. But I, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, Brees Hall, Cam Akers, it's a 50 50 backfield right now. It's which guy's going to get hot first and who's going to take advantage of it. My virus yeah. protection is currently up to date on my computer. That just told me, um, you know, Antonio Gibson, does he have the staying power until we get um, Brian Robinson, Brian Robinson back? J.D. McKissick didn't eat into a whole lot of a time on point. His yeah, J.D. McKissick, right I think, is more the pass catching. If the commanders yeah. are down, you'll see McKissick cut, cut in a lot. But yeah, the commanders were pretty dominant. And I think they just, you know, dominated the game and ran at will. So that is some might say the game. they commanded. They commanded. Yeah. Commies. Um, okay. So I guess the only other thing really on the that I think we should talk about, as always, are injuries and what we saw in week one. Um, for the most part, I think everyone got through unscathed, you know, in terms of season ending injuries, which you like to see. Um, Godwin is one of them, you know, it seems like he might be a few weeks or a week or two type thing. Um, same thing for Keenan Allen. Um, I don't think it's worth going too in depth on them. Uh, but the other, but the two main ones were Elijah Mitchell and Dak Prescott. Um, Elijah Mitchell seemingly is going to be out for about eight weeks. Dak Prescott, I know Schefter initially reported six to eight weeks, um, but earlier today, then uh, Jerry Jones said we're not putting him in on on IR. He could be back within four games. He's um, on IR. They put him on IR? Yep. Five hours uh, ago, Elijah Mitchell knee has officially been placed on IR. Oh, oh no. Dak. Dak. Oh, sorry, Dak. You know, Elijah Mitchell's IR. Yeah, yeah. Elijah Mitchell's IR. He's out seemingly eight weeks per everything that I've read. Uh, Dak Prescott initially reported six to eight weeks by um, Schefter and some other people in the media, but Jerry Jones said he's not going on IR and could be back uh, within four games. Um, let's start with Mitchell. 
Um, I mean, obviously, we saw kind of the impact of this in the league. You know, Jeff Wilson, you know, got traded, um, and you know, in the earlier deal that we discussed. Um, but Mitchell's, you know, a guy on Kevin's team. Um, how does this potentially impact him? And you know, are you concerned? Uh, is he is Mitchell going to get Shanahan? Will he get his job back? Um, how could this situation potentially play out? And positive side for Kevin is Kevin's got Aaron Jones, so that's a good fallback piece. Um, Melvin Gordon is obviously a starter. Devin Singletary is a starter. So do you take a step back? Yes, but you also have Kenneth Gainwell who had 11 points, Mike Carter at 17. There's a lot of different pieces that you can flex into. Now, none of them make you feel as confident or as comfortable as Elijah Mitchell does, but you have fallback pieces, which I think is, again, in a league where we value depth in certain positions, this is one of them that that Nick Ruth will talk to. Running backs have shelf lives. Running backs are probably arguably one of the most injury prone positions on the entire roster. So yeah, it's, it's, it, Kevin has options. They're not nearly as great as Elijah Mitchell, but I don't think his roster takes as big of a blow as it could. And thank God he played fucking Chris in week one. Cause he almost fucking lost. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a rough injury. That's for sure. But I mean, just looking at it in our league, I don't think it does much. Kevin's got some great flex options. I mean, Landry looked like he's going to be the focal point of that offense. Michael Carter got a ton of touches. You know, he's got options, and I don't think he – I honestly think if he starts Landry, it's probably a step up in a flex aspect. But it's always nice to have a starting running back on your bench or something that you can plug in. But I don't think it affects our league too, too much. Just – you know, Jeff Wilson had value and already moved, but from the teams competing, I don't think you'll see much of a difference. Okay, that's fair. Um, all right, let's Dak Prescott. Um, this is obviously Armand's, Armand's starting quarterback. Um, you know, seemingly maybe he's just going to be out a month. Um, how, you know, at least for a couple weeks, do we think this impacts Armand's team and maybe this Cowboys offense as a whole? Um, with some of the other skill position players that they have. I think I, I think I'm more concerned about the other skill players in the offense. I don't necessarily think I'm too overly concerned with Armand's team simply because Armand isn't competing. So this helps him shave a little bit of points with it. But, but I mean yeah, go ahead. He's got well, Daniel he, Jones. Well, if he isn't competing though, he doesn't have his first round draft pick. I mean, he's still got some like nice pieces. Um is this a team like, you know, could Saquon Barkley be moved? You know, Terry McLaurin, Cortland Sutton, are these guys that maybe should be on the block? Or do you just have to ride it out and, you know, if you just see what happens and run it back when Dak is healthy, hopefully. And the question becomes, is how long is that going to be and where is he going to be at when he does it? You know, 100 points in, in the first week, granted, Dak went out, Saquon went hamski, but... Stevenson didn't do shit. Terry got over 10. Sutton got over 10. And Joku's not great. Sammy Watkins was a dumpster fire in the Green Bay offense. Gasecki did nothing. You're starting Donovan Peoples Jones. I I mean, when you say good roster, I question part of it. There's a lot of, I mean, Calvin Ridley suspended. Trickon Smith was out. He's got Najee, or not, sorry, Nikhil Harry on his fucking bench i want to throw up a little bit now devin duvernay though i did i did really like seeing a big week out of him 
I thought that was a, a great piece for anybody that has a share in the Baltimore offense. I, I enjoyed seeing that. J.K. Dobbins, is there a timetable for his return? I mean, it seemed like he was a last second or last yeah, kind of minute rule out. So he'll be playing week two. Last okay. season, yeah. But I don't think there's a whole lot of excitement in Armand's roster that's going to make me say that he's going to be a guy that's going to go through and compete right here and right now. So there might be some sense into moving a Dak Prescott, moving a Saquon, and maybe starting a little rebuild. I don't know if Armand's roster has the staying power to be competitive with Sam, with you, with Nick's current process in his rebuild. I don't know if I see – I mean, Jerry has, was competitive last year. I don't know if I see it. Yeah, and, I mean, the, the tricky thing that Armand will find himself in if he goes that route is doesn't have the first-round pick this year, doesn't have the first-round pick next year. And, you know, we saw kind of this year or this past year, you know, Steve and Chris, they kind of bit the billet, bullet and said, screw it, I have to rebuild. Neither of them had their first-round draft pick. Um, I think that worked out for them because they were able to capitalize on some 2023 picks, and they're sitting pretty, you know, for this year. But um, it's not fun to go through a rebuild and not have your pick. So, I mean, I I don't envy Armand to have to make that decision if he decides to go that route. So Nick owns three first-round draft picks in next year's draft. Yeah. Who owns the other ones? I know I have one. Um, Where are the remaining? Applehans has three, and Chris has four, and then you and Nick, I believe, round out the full twelve. But yeah, you know, Dak going down hurts. Usually, I'd say sarcastically. Well, at least he has Daniel Jones, but that team is kind of exciting to watch. I think. I think think they might be something there. Well, yeah, Saquon Barkley looks unbelievable. He single-handedly got that two-point conversion to win the game. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you move a Saquon, but I don't know. You know, we've seen Armand with the last year or two. He's he's going for it, and it's not fun rebuilding. It's really boring. I look at the scores, and I don't give a shit. But if you want to be involved, I, I can't blame him. And like you said, he doesn't have his picks, so rebuilding – doesn't really do anything you can get value on the you know the saquon but Dak, i wouldn't move a quarterback either of his quarterbacks they have power to stay and i don't know he's in a real tough position but he doesn't really have the pieces to go get more and he doesn't have really the pieces to trade away or nothing to trade for like we just said yeah he's people own the entire first round so we're not buying. Who are you going to trade with? Yeah, I mean, I think he's in the position that's really shitty to get in, and that's kind of no man's line the dynasty. I mean, I think Barkley, if he puts him on the market, you can't tell me there's not going to be offers. Like, Dan, you can't tell me. I've got one. Like, yeah, but my, yep. what, what do you offer? Like, Saquon well, should go for a few firsts, in my opinion. I've got one for No one can go do get it. For him. <clears throat> So that's the real tough spot with where our league is, is if you want to move a top tier talent for picks, you just can't do it. That's why, you know, I was shopping Jeff Wilson. I want a second. I'm not getting that value. It's just not possible in this league. So you kind of have to take our league composition into play too. And 
there's not many options Armand has but to keep rolling the dice. I mean, Jared well, did it last year. He took second. Well, I mean, I think also, too, you have to adjust expectations, you know, with how our, like, league has kind of been constructed and, you know, handled. You know, we saw when it started off, you know, Sam is the only team rebuilding for basically the first season. And he dominated basically 2020 and I think at the time 2020 or 2019 and 2020 draft picks in the first round. Um you know, basically had that jump start. You know, now this year or recently we saw Steve and Chris kind of jump in and they were able to, you know, get a lot of 2023 and 2024 draft picks. Nick, you kind of played catch up, but you've been able to acquire a few. Now we're kind of at that next wave. Like there's maybe a few movable 2024 picks, but it's going to be the next wave of 2025 picks. And it sucks that you have to wait three years or to see those materialize, but you know, you're right, league composition and what you have, you have to, you know, work with, um, you know, you can look at all the trade calculators you want, but at the end of the day, you have to look at your league and what's available. Not saying you just take any deal, but you have to maybe adjust expectations. And that could be a situation that Armand or anyone that's selling is potentially in. Um, but I mean, I, when I look at like kind of Steve and Chris's rebuild and even yours, Nick, I think I mean, Steve and Chris in particular, just because they did it last year with no picks, I think they're really in great position going forward. We'll see if the picks pan out. Obviously, you have to make that those and get some hits, but they're in a decent spot now. Um, I don't think all hope is lost with Armand. You know, I, I don't know. I guess I'm the optimist that I think that there could be deals to that would happen if you started pursuing them, because I think there's a difference between chopping Jeff Wilson or Saquon Barkley. Cam Akers and a first for <laughs> Saquon Barkley. So fun fact, I did that trade last year in Dynasty. I traded a my 23 first in Akers before the season started for Barkley. So it was a doable trade. Yeah, let's do it. I Come wouldn't on, do it now, now that Barkley ah, is amazing. Shut up. No, no, I got shut Barkley up. in his value, but... No, I but I mean, like... Barkley. Yeah, I mean, I think you can get more, but I mean, I think... You know, whether it's a 20 or whatever year the first round pick is, I think, you know, those could be attainable, potentially multiple. And I think there could be a player. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, Damn, I got a first and two seconds next year. <laughs> or, or no, I'm sorry, 24. I got a first and a third next year. All right. So recap week one. Um, we'll go through it real quick and then do our previews. Wait, recap what? Recap week one, and then do our previews. Sure, give us the recap on week one there. So week one, the me and Zane game, super boring. Zane dominated. His new pieces look good, look even better. So like I said earlier, you know, I I think he's my league favorite or my league winner now. Uh, Kevin and Chris, Kevin damn near lost. So. That's really worrisome. I'd be a little worried if I was Kevin. His quarterback situation could be rough. Um, but it's just one week. I wouldn't quite overcorrect. Real quick, though, Derrick Henry, how concerned are we? So he sell him. rocked. Sell him. He got Derrick Henry. Eh, I wouldn't sell him. I mean, you can't sell him. Like, <laughs> Who's buying? Henry's like impossible to sell. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, I'd be a little concerned about him. Yeah. Continue on. Then we had Dan Steffen. Dan put up the 
third most points, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was the fifth most points. Could be something, but he is playing with one running back now, which is going to be rough. No, I have two. Yeah. I've got Gibson. <sighs> Gibson and Breeze, yeah. Yeah. One and a half. Okay. <laughs> and Stefan is just good and remains good. There's newsflash. Um, Adam and Steve. Adam has the greatest wide receiver core ever. Question I think, mark. I mean, you you talked about like Zane being your favorite. I think Adam's my favorite. I mean, Patrick Mahomes and between Jameis Winston and Matt Ryan, I think that's a fine QB core. Um, at running back, I mean, Austin Eckler didn't really see it a ton in week one, but I think there's reasons to be optimistic. And then I think he has enough depth with guys like Edmonds, you know, Penny, however long he's healthy for. Cordell Patterson, I mean, we all thought like it was going to be the rookie in Atlanta, that Tyler Agliar, but he was inactive and they just rode the Corey pa- or Cordell Patterson train. So that was interesting. And then, yeah, I mean, Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs for redraft, like those are probably two of the top four wide receivers right now. Dalton Schultz, they got to pass to someone and it's not going to be C.D. Lamb, so it might be him. And yeah, I mean, Julio Jones other options. I really like Adam's team a lot. I think he he's my team to be right now. I'm I'm buying the week one action. I don't blame you. He looked really good. I just his depth scares me a little. Yeah. I feel like Zane's pickup of the two might have catapulted him. But all right. So then we have Nick Weir and Arman. You know, Nick won not as handedly as we all thought. But yeah. it kind of goes full circle to your wide receiver group that I'm super worried about. You know, Higgins went left early concussion. You know, that's a f- can't, yeah. fluke, I guess you can't really account for an injury. But the A Rob position situation is certainly something to monitor. Definitely. Uh, Judy was the only player on my team to score above their productions. So that wasn't fun. No, but, and then you know Zeke is slightly worrisome too. I think he was almost an even split. You know, could his usage go up now that Dak's gone, or will it? They be down because they're going to be behind so much that Pollard's their pass catcher. So that one, yeah. that's a rough situation too. Yeah, it, it, watching that game though, I mean, it was very interesting because anytime they pulled Zeke out, Dak was just getting murdered because oh yeah, and Pollard cannot pass block to save his life. Pollard's got holes in his pass blocking than Swiss cheese does. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you're, the wide receiver group, I think, is still a huge worry for me, for you. But I guess that's something I'm going to keep monitoring going forward since I don't have to worry about my own team winning. Yep. And then we had, I believe, the game of the week last week was Sam and Jer, right? Um, yes, Sam and Jer was the game of the yep. week. So, you know, it was a lot closer than expected. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm Sam, I'm super worried about my quarterback situation. Yeah, Lance and Fields played in pretty rough conditions, but extremely uh, rough. Yeah, but some months Don't feel comfortable with Lance. Gee, no, gee, I know, no. Although I saw some tweet where he did pretty had higher QBRs than a lot of people, but just watching him, I wasn't overly excited. You know, CMC had a horrible game, but he still throws up 15. So. Can't feel too bad there. And then, like you said, C.D. Lamb. That's a dude I'm starting to push my panic button on. I kind of feel Juju 2.0. He can be the bridesmaid, but never the bride. 
He had 11 targets. Yeah, Dak was horrible. Yep. Mm -hmm. But CD also didn't get much separation. He just he didn't look good. And he just really worries me. And I'm not too excited if I have him. Yeah, a lot of promise, but him on the football field doesn't match to his name on paper, I think, for a lot of fantasy. Yeah, it kind of goes like to my wide receiver, or like I know we talk about wide receivers a lot and like how I view them, Nick, and we're kind of on different stances with them. But like wide receiver is so freaking deep. And outside of like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, there's just no one else that you really, really feel confident long term to like put like at the top of that position group. But someone has to be there. And C.D. Lamb, I think you could talk me into like why he should be a higher ranked ride receiver. But at the same time, like you can't talk me into like him being that much better than like, let's see where he's ranked right now. Usually um, it's wide receiver six, like on some sites, um, you know. Would you rather have him or Debo Samuel? And Debo Samuel's like wide receiver 12, like Drake London, you know. I don't know. Uh, I'm with you. CD Lamb's very concerning. Yeah, so then going into that game again, you had the uh, Etienne and Robinson split, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Etienne for Sam looks rough. Not great usage. Didn't put up great stats. And then for Jer on the flip side, that running back two problem, like you said earlier, it could be solved there. But luckily for Sam, A.J. Dillon looked, I think he's edging out Jones finally because he got the lion's share. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the more carries. And then the surprising thing, he had a shit ton more targets too. That was mind-blowing. Yeah. So and Again, they were trailing too, so which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Again, I'm just Sam's biggest concern, I think, is his quarterbacks going forward. I think he'll make playoffs, but starting the right quarterbacks is going to be a tr- a battle for him all year. And then you look at Jer. Jer has his flex. You know, Renfro took a huge hit. That game, you saw a completely different role for him. Yep. Pitts had a quiet game, but I think he'll be okay. It's still a little early for me to panic, but... Jer's flex spots and his bench for starting and sitting the right person is going to kill him all year. And obviously this week it killed him. So that's kind of my week one quick run back. If you guys have anything to add? No, no I think I think, there. Yeah. I think you knocked it out. Good job. All right. That brings us to week two though. Week two. Week two. And let's just start with the battle of the Knicks. I'm taking on Mr. Nick Ruth. Um, I don't know if we really need to go too in-depth on this. Besides the fact Kenneth Walker is supposedly going to be starting. Are you excited yeah, about that one, Nick? Exciting. Yep, because their offensive line looked really fucking good, and Penny looked really fucking good. So I It think... was their Super Bowl, but they were lights out. Exactly. So, you know, Penny probably gets the lion's share. Walker certainly a future play, but it'll be exciting to see some of the flashes and see what my future hopefully rb2 since i get robinson will be able to do let me ask you this question on that do you have any concern around cole Komet? you took the words out of my mouth a little bit a little bit you know mooney and Komet both looked bad but they did play in a hurricane yep. so i'll preface with that but the offense looked so bad in the beginning and it was just like watching the bears of last year so it is super concerning 
we'll see what with normal weather how it looks but yeah definitely that's why i have what eight tight ends now one of them's got to hit <laughs> just all about which one you start yeah um i mean for for you nick i mean if t higgins doesn't clear concussion protocol obviously you've got jerry judy you can slot in there but i mean is you've got zeke sitting down on the bench is he your is he your fallback option here or is it or is it is it amari cooper um it's Honestly, like I'm toying with the idea of Josh Palmer if Keenan Allen's out going Thursday night against Kansas City. Um, I don't love it, but I feel like Herbert or Chargers versus Kansas City, it's probably a poor idea, but I feel like it could be a high scoring event. Um, so why don't I get potentially Herbert's number two wide receiver? That's only if Keenan Allen's out, though. Yep. And I mean, Mike Williams was, here's your Kevin segment. Mike Williams was nowhere to be found in week one. He has a tendency to disappear and he also has a tendency to just blow the fuck up. Good luck guessing which week it's going to happen. Then. Yep. All right. Um, which Nick are you guys going with? Me, I'm, I'm going guessing. With you. We're. All right. Yeah. This one's an easy one. Yep. Let's do like another. That. Yep. Let's do another layup. Uh, Dan, you're taking on Steve this week. Um, I mean, is there much to talk about? Steve has Mitchell Trubisky, um, but just, just, <laughs> yeah. just James Cook, does James Cook th- score positive points this week? I don't know if James Cook sees the field again. Yeah, I mean, the, the point in time where Equinamia St. Brown might be your small play just because he caught a fucking touchdown in a monsoon might be where you go. Um, I mean, had not having Rondale Moore really kind of hurts the options here, but no, I have so many more fucking better options. Even if Cam Akers throws up a fucking another goose egg, I'm in good shape. Yeah, Can you start a... Cam Akers this week? Uh, at the moment, he's on my bench, or he's on my roster. I am 100% toying with the fact that I very well could be leaning starting Mark Ingram, and I there's Gerald Everett and is still there, so I could pivot away from Cam Akers just to be safe for this week. But again, it's, this is where being a K makers owner kind of sucks. I don't think this is a week where you need to play it safe and get as much points as possible. You could set your lineup and go. I think you're in good shape. I would agree. And then let's see what happens with Mac Jones. I mean, I can pivot back to Jared Goff. Jared Goff has, it's not the best matchup in the world against the commanders, but I'm in an okay roster spot to make sure that I win this week. Right. Also, Nick, you're projected to score almost 21, or I'm sorry, 31 points more than uh, Steve is this week. Granted, Steve also has Dak, or no, he is what looks to be his lineup set, so yeah. Yeah, his team's not good, so no, no, it's really I not. should feel good if I score more than him. Yes. But yes, I picked Dan hand, handily in this one. Yeah, we're all taking Dan this week. <laughs> I agree. Um, let's move on to the probably last layup of the week, uh, for sure. Um, Adam is taking on Chris this week. Um, I think the only kind of real surprising thing or really thing to go in depth on for Chris's team, Damian Pierce. Yeah. All that hype. Did nothing. nothing. It was the, the Rex Burkhead show. Is that a sign of things to come or what are you guys thinking after one week? I have no idea what that team's <laughs> doing. Nope. No idea. I don't get it, but. 
I, I mean, think there's he's not playing of, and he's not getting yeah. points. More power to him. Yeah, I think the Pierce piece is interesting. Um, Dawson Knox didn't have a great game. Juju, mm-hmm. Juju Smith-Schuster had an okay game, but Kadarius Tony fucking didn't do shit. He was on yeah, the that was super 12%. Weird. Well, he did do shit, but he only had one chance to do it. Exactly. Yeah. When he touched the ball, he was amazing, but yeah, they just yeah. didn't give him the ball. No, correct. And then, I mean, MVS, it's not great. That roster's just not good. No. Um, it's... Adam. Yeah, how how many points does Adam beat the spread? It's like fifty-five points right now. No. Oh, I'm gonna take the over on that one. I think Adam doubles him up. I think I think Chris's team underperforms. I think that I'll take the over on the fifty fifty so the current fifty-four point four seven points. So it's called fifty-five. I think I'll say I'll, he beats him by over fifty-five points, hundred percent. Oh, easily. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um this I mean, should be a little bit more competitive. Uh, Jer is taking on Armand's team. Um, Armand is, you know, thankfully he does have three quarterbacks, so no Dak, but he's going to have Mr. Daniel Jones going. Um, Nick, why don't you maybe look or give us a rundown on Armand's team this week? So I will preface it with saying I'm going to take Jer. Okay. But it, I think it'll be a nail biter. Um, it's just. How many times does Saquon fall into the end zone? And if it's anything like last week, it could be pretty good for him. Um, Watkins, maybe Rogers says, fuck these rookies. I'm throwing to Watkins and Cobb only. But he also got pissed at Cobb, so who knows? (laughs) There's not much really to... He's got his best foot forward. He might get Dobbins actually this week too, so that could be exciting, but... I just don't think it's enough, so I'm going to go Jer. I will follow that up with saying I agree. I don't think it's enough. I think the most exciting piece on this roster could be Devin DuVernay. Um, uh, Sammy Watkins is going to be interesting. Donovan Peoples-Jones is is a thing. And Joku didn't do shit, though. Um, the fact that you're starting a, a New England running back is very concerning. I just – Jerry's got a couple good pieces. Even if he's playing the question mark on split between Daryl Henderson – and Cam Akers, Fryermuth had a pretty decent week with Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, it sucks you're starting Joe Flacco. Um, I don't know if I he's got Rex Burkhead on his bench. That could be an interesting pivot just to not take it out. He's got James Robinson, who 19 points in the first week. He's yeah, Jerry. I think Jerry just has too many good options to flip certain things out. Um. That's there. The Mooney, Romeo Dobbs. He's got There's, Christian Watson. You don't even fucking start some of those guys. But I, yeah, I like Jerry's roster a lot more than I like Armand's right now. Yeah, I mean, I got to assume Jerry's got to be adjusting his roster because there's no way he's to really start Hunter Renfro after all that over some of the other options you mentioned. Three for six where normally he's, he only had six targets where normally you see him getting... I mean, I feel like just James Robinson, you can't bench until further notice. I mean, Devontae had 17 targets. That's typically a Hunter Renfro day. We might be see, seeing the part of the changing of the guard here in the Lions share of what's going on. Well, yeah, but Brandon and Hall of Famer will do that. I, if according to Devontae Adams, he's playing for a Hall of Fame quarterback, too. So, <laughs> um, All right. It seems like we're all leaning towards Jer this week. Is that a fair assumption? Mm-hmm. 
Correct. All right. Through 10 games, we are exactly the same. But I feel like maybe we'll have some. Yeah, maybe we'll have some changes this week. Um, And let's, before we get to our match of the week, we are going to talk about Stefan taking on Mr. Kevin Ruth. Uh, Kevin's coming off an underperforming week one, looking to rebound. And Stefan, just kind of a ho hum, you know, win as the defending champ. Um, Nick, do you want to talk about Kevin's team this week? Sure. You know, right now it is a 0.8 point difference. No, 1.8 difference. Nope, 0.8. Can't do math. 0.8, yep. Yep. You know, Kevin's team probably has his lineup set. It's looking. I like it. Um, The only worries, you got Aaron Jones, like we said earlier. He just got out-snapped, outplayed. So that's a little worry going forward. I think the game pretty much is going to hinge on Najee Harris's availability. If Harris plays... Eileen Stefan. If Harris doesn't play it, Eileen Kevin. So I think that's kind of where I'm at with this whole setup is it all relies on that. See, even in my eyes, though, I don't I, I'll take Stefan all day in this matchup. I think there is even if Najee doesn't play, you can run the Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb stack and be 100 percent. OK, they're playing the Jets. They're going to run yeah. the absolute shit out of this ball. I shit. There's part of me tells me you need to play fucking both those guys over Brandon Cooks right now. Like it, there's just mm. so many good pieces. Brady's going to new going to New Orleans. Uh, Wentz is going to Detroit. And, and my big question mark is which Zach Ertz are we going to see? Is there is there a play for a Tyler Higby this week? And I think there's interesting pieces. I think Stefan has a lot more hard roster decisions to make than Kevin does. I I still like I'll take Stefan in this matchup. Yeah, I mean I think the one interesting thing when I look at Stefan's team is I don't know if I bench Kirk Cousins over Carson Wentz. I know Wentz had a very strong week one, but I just they both have kind of favorable matchups going up against the Lions and the Eagles, but Cousins just He's got and Justin it, Jefferson. Yeah, he's got Justin Jefferson. He's got Adam Thielen. I mean, you can kind of double dip with the the Thielen stack. Um, well, actually, I take that back. Uh, Kevin has Thielen. Um, but like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just don't trust Wentz quite yet. I, I want to see it a little bit more before I bench someone like Cousins for him. Um, Kevin's team, yeah, I think everyone's kind of started. Um, that should be started. Um, on his team. The only intriguing option is, I mean, Devin Singletary. I mean, are are we buying into him at all? Um, He looked like the best running back, you know, in week one for the Bills, but he's a Bills running back, so who knows? Um, But that's that's really the only kind of maybe potential swap that I see for Kevin's team. Jarvis Landry's an interesting question mark, though, too. Went off huge in week one, but yeah, Tampa Bay is better defending the rush than they are the past. So I would put him in the list too as possible. No, that's, that's a fair point, but I mean, very tough, mat- tough matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their secondary is very strong divisional game. Uh, Hate starting guys on Thursday night. Mike Williams, you probably should bench him. Yeah. 
That's true. <laughs> but no, I mean, this is a tough game. I think the the projection is very accurate given this a point eight advantage to Stefan right now. Um, I, I don't know. I, I have my pick written down. Um, Nick, I'm assuming you have your pick written down. Dan, do you want to say yours or do you have Stephen. yours written down? Stefan. Taking Stefan as well. Yeah, I'm. I guess without having the caveat, Ooh. I will go Kevin. Yeah. Kevin does it. All right. We have our first difference. Our first difference. Well, only, at least right now, one of us is going to be potentially 5 and 0. Um, all right. Matchup of the week finds ourselves with two. 2-0 teams battling. Uh, Sam is taking on Mr. Zane um, in a battle of, you know, kind of, I think, potential favorites in the league. Uh, could be a conference championship game preview. Um, Nick, what team do you want to cover for the first go at? Or breakdown? Um, I'll go with Zane's team. Okay. You know, looking at it, the only real question mark I have is, you know, Tyler Lockett. He didn't get great usage, didn't put up great numbers, but I guess there's just not too many other options to go with right now, so you got to, but I think that's probably his weakest spot in the lineup. I mean, otherwise, he's got some pretty favorable matchups, which... Yeah, I, I'm going to go Sam, but actually, no, I took Zane in this one. I'm going Zane. I think the matchups kind of do it, and it definitely comes down Monday night. He's got a shit ton of people playing in the doubleheader, so it'll be a nail-biter all weekend. I think for the Lockett call, I mean, Miles Sanders, are we buying like that week one performance? Do we? Is he going to actually be consistently given the ball, or who the fuck knows like where are you guys going with that because i think that's the when i see it or when i look at the roster like that's the toss-up for me uh on zane's team lockett or sanders i'm a i'm a sanders owner so i have to pray to god that fucking that's now going to be the thing going forward but i i don't feel confident in it yeah i mean with how close the matchup is, I almost would just go Lockett for that boom. You know, Lockett could go 60-yard touchdown catch and call it a day, and that's all you need. And with, you know, kind of chasing points and a team that you know is good, he's got a lot of safe spots, but I definitely would put in a lottery or two to see if I can hit that big play. And, you know, Lockett is that, but depends how he wants to go. All right, Dan, let's hear Sam's team. All right. So, I mean, we obviously start with the fact that he's got Joe Burrow and they're going into or they're going into Dallas to play a game And Dallas is obviously reeling, but they have decent cornerbacks. It's it's an interesting piece. And then obviously you have Trey Lance, Seattle, Jimmy or Geno Smith's got San Francisco, which Justin Fields kind of just helped out a little bit. His quarterback situation is going to be very interesting. I think Lance is the play. I don't think there's anything there, but after watching Gino go off and seeing Justin and Trey struggle, I don't think you pull the trigger with it. Um, McCaffrey obviously struggled a little bit, but I mean, again, like Nick said, he puts up double digit points. I really like DeAndre Swift's 
what I saw out of him in week one. I think that's super, super great. But he goes up against a tough Washington defense. That's going to be a big piece. He's got Hawk. Alvin Kamara is scheduled to go, but who knows? A.J. Dillon, Javante Williams, a lot of good pieces. Uh, the only other piece is that Travis Etienne maybe no. Robbie Anderson had a great week one. And I say a great week one because he was the only person that showed up <laughs> with it because he, he had a 75-yard touchdown reception, and he had 102 yards in the day, and that was the highlight of them all. CeeDee Lamb's on the bench. I 100% understand with that. <laughs> Devonta Smith had four targets with no reception, so you can never feel good about that. And then you've got Albert O sitting there where he put up 10 points. He had five receptions, 33 yards. There's another great set of options where if Sam needs to pivot off of Kamara, if he needs to pivot off of some of the bench players, AJ Dillon, um, Hawk, like he's got a couple different options to go with it. But I think for Sam, the key is, is making the right decision in your quarterback situation. And I think everybody else plays itself in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that the heart or the the thing that I like look at with Sam's roster that's up for debate most, assuming you don't have to worry about the Kamara injury, is just that second wide receiver. Right now, Deontay Johnson's in. I mean, CD Lamb, I know it wasn't a great performance, but you know, week one, I think it's important to not overreact. Um, it's toss up. I I don't know who I would go with, to be honest, if I was Sam, if I had that option. Um, even without, you know, having Dak Prescott, you know, someone's got to catch the ball. I, I guarantee CD will have a better game than he had week one, but I, I can't say if he'll have a better game than Deontay Johnson. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing that really sticks out. I mean, Sam's running backs like are, you know, would make or probably make most teams very envious, um, even with some tough matchups, you know, just got a lot of, a lot of dudes and, um, dudes that you on paper feel confident about. So that's, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on the quarterbacks too, Dan. That's that's going to be a tough one um, in terms of making the call and also if they get the production, I don't know. Um, anything else to talk about this week or should we make the picks on this game? I think I'm ready to make a pick. Let's make the picks. Right. Nick, you're going with Zane. I am. I'm going to go with Sam. Dan, who are you going with? We could have a very large gap between ourselves and Nick. I will take Sam. All right. You guys are boring as fuck. You're lucky I came back. What do you mean boring as fuck? You just pick the same people. That's how you fucking stay neck and neck, and then you fuck it up the last week. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 mean, I truly... You're boring as shit. Fucking start drinking on these fucking podcasts. Then they get less boring. I mean, maybe that's what we do, and that's what we'll get, like, the trade mid-podcast. Nick will do something aggressive. It'll probably be with me, too, because I'll do something stupid. <laughs> it's going to have to be in, like, three weeks till I'm off my steroid for this stupid poison. Yeah, it's, yeah you fucking just poison sumac all over your shit and everything like yeah, that. So. No, four weeks, then I can have a drink. A drink, and he'll be fucking buzzed out of his mind. All right, fellas. Anything else on this week? Or are we going to wrap up a, a very long podcast? We're an hour and a half. Let's probably just I'm not even playing the outro music. Go ahead. Finish it. All right, guys. It's been great. Best of luck Thursday and in week two, except for Nick, even though I probably don't need luck. Until next time. Peace.